All right, so this is the year of reformation, a year of being reformed. All right, we are asking God to uh, this year to reform us, to change us from the inside out, uh, that we might be better servants, better believers, um, and more faithful within his kingdom. Um, so far, we've covered a lot of topics over the four or five weeks, six, eight, I don't know how many weeks it is. All right, six, six good job. Six weeks, six weeks. And if you take six and you subtract it from 52, <laughs> you told you not to use six minus 52. Four, you got 46 weeks left. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You know, it's two things your pastor cannot do. That is spell and do math in her head. These are terrible traits to have, but nevertheless, I have them. And you are crazy because you follow me. You follow a woman that cannot spell. It's, 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 it's terrible. I can read. Ain't, ain't, that, ain't that funny? She read a lot, but she can't spell for a lick. Nevertheless, uh, we've got 46, 46 more weeks left in this year to be reformed. Hello, somebody. And uh, so far, we have seen how we are reformed through uh, joyful surrender, through witness, through the word of God, through meditation, through introspection. I'm probably missing a couple of them. Through support, through intentionality. Y'all is good, okay? We had a whole bunch of weeks of already learning how to be reshaped and reformed. And the truth of the matter is, when you become a believer, yes, you are automatically changed and you are born again. However, I have found that some people are just raised in church and never been reformed or born again. And it's hard for me to tell you that I think that you may not be born again, reformed, or changed. Because the, the scriptures say what they say, and I can't get into the mysteries of God, okay? You, I believe in Jesus, I'm saying, okay, all right. But you don't really look in your life the other way people be looking when they, super, when they saved. And so I be questioning it, and you be questioning it, and so neither one of us can say, but I can say this, life is hard, and it has a way of pressing on us. It tries to conform us, right? And the word of God tells us that we have to be transformed, all right, by the renewing of our mind, which that renewing is a is a, a present participle which means we have to continue to do this because the world is continuing in its pressure to shape us into itself right and so that we have to have counter pressure to that to make sure that we are continually renewed and you've seen this in your own life you be like oh i love god oh i love jesus and then two days later you is you you don't look like a christian you don't sound like a christian all of a sudden you ain't thinking like a christian and maybe some of y'all don't even do that you like two weeks later i'm two days later i'm still good all right two months later three months later what is your number because there's a point <laughs> there's a point and if it has not come it is coming to a life near you all right it is. So the, the only thing I could do as your pastor is teach you the concepts that you could use, the tools and mechanisms by the Spirit of God that you could use to help make sure that you are consistently being renewed. Amen. Church plug. All right. Yes? <clears throat> All righty. So this week we're going to look at uh, being renewed, uh, re reformed, excuse me, to be reformed through witness. <laughs> well, Amen. Being reformed through witness. Um, a lot of believers know that you're supposed to share your faith. All right. There are some great commissions that we're going to look at some, at some point today. We know that witnessing is a part of the faith. We've heard of the Great Commission, where we're supposed to go tell everybody about Jesus. Um, but modern Christianity has kind of waned in the idea that um, 
especially in the South, your religion is personal and it's private and you don't discuss politics and religion out in public. That's a big deal for uh, Southern culture. Um, and then on the flip side, uh, people have this new thing in modern church where you don't have to talk about what you believe, you just live it. And then you just be a nice, kind person and this in of itself is telling people about Jesus. And um, that's not accurate either, uh, right? Uh, a poll was taken, a survey was taken by those who were attending training sessions for the Billy Graham crusade. And they were asking, what is your greatest hindrance in witnessing? All right, so you're gonna take that quiz. Are you ready? You got your notebook? Y'all got your notebooks, y'all? Are y'all seeing, y'all ready, ready for church today? All right. What is your greatest hindrance in witnessing? I'm going to give you one, two, three, four options. You can pick your greatest. All right. Are you ready? When you're ready, say yeah. yeah. All right. You think you're too busy to remember to do it? Throughout the day, your schedule gets hectic. We just don't be telling you. All right. All right. It's just really hectic out here. You know, I be running late all the time. I be thinking about it, but, you know, I got to go. All right. Number two, you feel like you lack real information about Christianity, theology, and God to actually share it with someone. If they had a question, maybe you don't feel prepared to answer it. All right. Number three, are you ready? You don't feel like your life is a, uh, speaking the way that it should. <laughs> like I, I would do it, but um, then if you look, if you look at my life, don't, don't, don't look over here. Just, just know that Jesus is real and then look away, look, look away. All right. And then the uh, fourth one is um, you are afraid of how other people would react. You're afraid of how other people would react. All right, everybody got the answer? Yeah. All right, who are my number ones? All right, number twos. Okay, number threes. Threes, Num threes, fours. Oh, okay, all right. Oh wait, the fours was, was, was huge. All right, fours is huge. So our next discipleship class, you know what we're gonna do, we're gonna give you information on making sure you, uh, you know how to respond to what people uh, say that you disagree with. And, and to defend the faith is called apologetics. apologetics. Good job, good job. <clears throat> Mark, let's go to Mark, uh, St. Mark. The last chapter is chapter 16. And let's look at the, um, the Great Commission. Okay, let's look at the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16. We're gonna pick up somewhere, somewhere around Nine, verse nine. Mark 16, verse nine. When you are there, say amen. amen. All right. <clears throat> now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, um, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, uh, whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had uh, that she had been with him and they as they, they she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept but when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her they would not believe 
Amen. Let's go on to verse 12. Uh, I'm sorry. Half my scripture is cut off. So I am filling in words that, I don't, never mind, just. This is what happens when you run late. Your stuff ain't tight. Mark 9, 16, verse 9. Now we had rose. Okay, verse 12. Is that where I left off? After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is, uh, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Uh, and the signs and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They shall they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly uh, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The end of the chapter so it says, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord uh, working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying of signs. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, an interesting concept about this great, uh, this great commission is placed in a context that most of us have ignored. Before God told them to go and tell everybody about the gospel and preach the gospel or the good news, he had to rebuke them because of their unbelief. Now this, this, is, this is difficult, okay? I want you to go, go over, hold your place there. Yeah, and go over to uh, Matthew 28. Hold your place at Mark. Go back to Matthew 28. It's just like a page over because it's the end of Matthew. <laughs> I heard big chunks of pages moving. <laughs> in. It should have been big chunks. It should have just been like just two, just two. That's all. <laughs> People with the app is like, I ain't even got no pages. <laughs> all right, you're there. Amen. So, Matt, um, what did I say? Matthew 28? Let's look at verse uh, 16. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. What? And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay. Interesting. On both accounts of the Great Commission, where Christ is ascending, uh, getting to his died on the cross, raised from the dead, and just prior to his ascension into heaven, he's telling his disciples, go and tell everybody, keep preaching this message as I am leaving. And I will be with you, and you just go tell everybody. The whole shebang. Um, what we find in Matthew is that while they went to the mountain that Christ had told them to meet him at, and they worshiped, there were still some presently worshiping that doubted. This is the condition of church. 
within the group and the confines of any local church, you have people that thoroughly believe and people that doubt. And they all go to meet Christ and worship. I would think, me, that before I give you the assignment to go and preach the gospel, that first of all, I'm going to need all y'all to believe. What is hindering you? Okay, you saw me die. Then you saw me get up. It is I who am standing before you right now. What's up? You know, what I, mean? I would just like, before I give you an assignment, we're going we gonna to need to deal with this. Like in your mind, what were they doing? Just worshiping God? Like, you know what? But do, is he really him? Like, am, is this a figment of my imagination? Are we all having a group hallucination? Did somebody put some mushrooms in my leavened bread? You know, just, just, oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. This don't seem, I don't, I don't know about this. And with that much doubt present and the assignment so great, I would think that you just would like, let's just pause. Because there's something I need you to do to work with me, but your heart is not ready. Let's let's talk. But he doesn't even do that. He's like, yeah, um, I'm still going to need you to go out there. The concept, this is key, under one premise, that when I told you to meet me, you met me. There was still an aspect of belief. You know, the man said, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. And so even though there are people that are at different stages and levels of fully believing the gospel, when you decide to meet where Christ tells you to meet, when he tells you to meet him, it's sufficient for you to get an assignment. I know. It's right here in the scripture. Because most times we think because I still have my doubts because I still have my issues, because I still have my questions, that I don't think I qualify to say anything to anybody else about the part of the good news that I do know and the part of the message that I have received and the part of Christ that I do understand. I can't say it no other way. The scripture already told you that you could believe and still have doubts. And that's the truth in all of churches. And churches are dying because most people still have doubts, which is common because life happens and that creates doubts as you encounter things that you never thought you would encounter before and you don't know what to do. And you've never seen God in this way. You haven't encountered God in this way. And it's going to raise up all kinds of questions at new seasons of your life and new stages of your life. And there's going to be some difficulty that's going to say, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. And the father still tells you, you got to go with what you do know and believe, because you knew enough to show up on this mountain and worship me. That is what you need to be talking about. That's what you're supposed to be preaching, that much. You're supposed to be sharing that much. You ain't got to go over here and stuff you don't understand. You know, I want to talk to you about soteriology. I barely understand it. All I know is you need to believe in Jesus, you confess your sins, and then he saved me. And I feel like when he saved me, he could save you too. I mean, that's real simple. See, the extent that you believe, that you understand, is what you're supposed to be sharing. You're not required to go into all this other stuff that you don't have no knowledge about, right? Both scriptures reveal that, yes? Both scriptures of the Great Commission being given. Go back to Matthew. People are sitting there worshiping, and they still be doubting. They just be sitting there doubting. And he's like, yeah, you want to go anyway. Go back to Matthew. I mean, Mark, yeah? Go back to Mark, the last chapter. Was it 16? Go back to Mark 16, all right? So when Jesus rose from the dead, 
he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, okay? And this is one of the huge scriptures to any women out here that want to be preachers, ministers, or teachers. This is one of the largest scriptures that suggest and, and solidify that women can be preachers of the gospel because the very first person to preach the gospel to the 12 disciples There was, well, let's say, there was 11. <laughs> Once you take Judas out, okay? There was 11, and he did not appear to them first. The responsibility to tell the 11 came from a female, right? So that's a huge deal, and there's plenty of other scriptures to support that. We don't have to go into that, but you can ask me later, okay? But nevertheless, that's a big, that's a big takeaway for anybody that's a female in ministry. Uh, the second thing I want you to look at is she saw him, right? She was a little hesitant, but she believed it was him. She believed it so much that she went and told the other uh, disciples, and they were like, uh, no. I mean, maybe it's because you're a woman. Girl, you was emotional, right. all right? You know, the woman's heart, you really loved him. Oh, but you need, your mind's playing tricks on you. Um, maybe someone is trying to deceive you. Um, or the obvious, why wouldn't he tell me himself? That part. That's the catcher right there. Yeah. Like, I feel like if I am dun -dun -dun -dun, one of the 11, I am Peter, baby, okay? You need to recognize, I knew you was the son of God before anybody else knew you was the son of God. I am, and he didn't come to me first, right? That, 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 that don't even make no sense, okay? Who is you, Mary, you was a prostitute. Let's remember that. Let's remember your past. <laughs> You start evaluating the methods and means to which Christ decided to give you some information and you'd be like, this can't be right because this is being served on a very dirty platter and I feel like I should have a very clean and pure platter. Something so divine, right? It should be sparkles and lights and just something. You know, ever been there? Like, God, if you want me to do it, make lightning, do something. Give me a sign. He'd be like, ooh, then I'll know. And he'd do something real regular. Like, hey, I need you to go ahead and start ministering. What? You just, that was just a regular statement. You just asked me to sweep the floor. Yeah, I just asked you to sweep the floor. Maybe come to the leadership class. Maybe a discipleship class here and there. I don't know. You want to teach Sunday school? Could you, you want to maybe come to Bible study? These are simple things that could constitute your use as a disciple and one that is preaching the gospel. And you'll reject it and deny it because it didn't come with smoke, clouds, and lightning. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Now, on the, off the top, let's look at this a little bit more. Let's understand just the context of this verse. So he went to Mary Magdalene, right? He said, Mary, stop crying, baby. It's me. Oh, my God, it's you. I got to go tell everybody. She runs to everybody. Jesus rose from the dead, y'all. He's alive, man. He's alive. He's told me to come tell y'all. This is beautiful. Not the response I was hoping to get. Then the next thing is he shows up in another form and appears to two other disciples. Now, okay, another form? Did you, oh, I feel like if you want me to believe that it is you that has raised from the dead, one thing we're gonna need to be consistent about is your appearance. Anybody ever look at this? Like that is a tall order. You, hi, I am Jesus. You don't look like, I know, I, 
I took another form. But listen, I am Jesus, and <laughs> I have raised from the dead. What? <laughs> now, this in itself is still very hard to believe. I would doubt this if you showed up to me in another form and told me you were the Jesus. You with the devil. You try to get me off my faith. You try to mess with me while I'm down. You try to take over Jesus' new place. You ain't no Jesus. You're a bar Jesus. You know, I, I would just not. But these two disciples, upon Christ revealing himself to them in another form, saying, I know you don't recognize me, but I am the Jesus that is standing before you. I have raised from the dead. And you need to tell everybody. They actually believed. Did you have y'all read this? He showed up in a different form. Didn't even recognize him. He says, but I am him. And they believed. I know. Something about it said, you're him. Was it the way you talked? Was it what you said? Was it the things that we've shared? Was it the relationship that we had? Even though you don't look like Jesus, only Jesus could talk to me like this. Only the Jesus I know could make me feel like this. Only the Jesus I know could have this kind of truth in me. It's something about you, even though your form is not the same as I remember, but I know who you are. That's the context. So then they go. And they tell the disciples, oh, my God, 12 apostles, I mean, disciples, you, okay, y'all, everybody know he liked y'all the most. All right, listen. <laughs> he showed up to us. He has risen. He showed up to you. What did it look like? Well, see, the thing is, he didn't really look like. <laughs> but our hearts burned as he spoke. We could tell it was him as he began to talk. So, so I'm telling you, he, okay, before, he didn't look like himself, but, he, but it really was him. And these apostles, the 12 disciples, soon to be apostles, still did not believe. So when Jesus shows up to them, the first thing he does is rebuke them. Look at the scripture, right? And he rebuked them, this is at verse 14, for their unbelief and what? Hardness of heart. <coughs> For their unbelief and hardness of heart. So now let's take a look at those, uh, this, those 12 disciples, 11 disciples, all right, for just a second. The man you loved, the man you, you laid down all your life for, left everything you had, served him, ate with him, lived around wherever he went, you was there, you followed him for three and a half years. The man you knew that everything about life was going to come to fruition on, that, you know, the kingdom was coming, all your hopes was put in this man. You had, I mean, you just felt like this is the moment. This is the moment, and I'm part of something great. And all of that just comes crumbling down in a horrific way. Yeah. As you see the one you love, the one you trusted, and the one you hoped in die. At the hands of man and he has done all kinds of stuff but he did not get off that cross there's a hardness of heart that happens when God doesn't do what you expect him to do wow. there's a hardness of heart that we all have to resist when God does not do what we expect 
him to do. I expect you. I hope you would. I, I wanted you to. I needed you to. For my own sanity, for my own peace, for my own life, I needed you to do this thing. And when you don't do it, even though you're still standing in front of him, there is a hardness that has happened in your heart. And that hardness begins to chip away of things that you once believed about God. When he was with you, you believed, oh, my God, he could do anything. All right? He can walk on water. If we get hungry, he'll feed us. And in essence, truly, the apostles felt like when you are with us, we don't have to worry about anything. When I have, there's a point in every Christian's life where you know when you got God, you ain't got to worry about nothing. And oh, you so excited. As long as I got King Jesus, you just like, woo, we got, I ain't worried about it. Okay, somehow the Lord going to make a way. You so excited. And then something happens. Something happens in a way that you didn't anticipate, and God did not respond in a way. And it left you vulnerable. It left you hurt. It left you broken. Your whole world crumbled. I'm preaching to somebody in here. And you sit here going, <sighs> so, so maybe I don't need to believe. Now, so what has happened is your innocence has been taken. Your innocence has been stolen. You done got real grown up heart. You know, like, hey, look, 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 baby, everything don't work out for people, okay? Like, you know. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord just ain't going to do it, okay? So, you know, all right, you just, and there's, there's this unbelief that has crept in. Because God has moved in a way that left you vulnerable and hurt. And I want to believe that you could do something, but see, the last time I believed that, you didn't. And I, and I wanted to believe this, and the last time I tried to believe that, you didn't. And I want to believe, but I, I really want to, but there's something that has happened that you did that is prohibiting me from actually believing it the way that I used to. Woo. You ain't trying it, it's just my heart is just too hard. The truth of the matter is, if you remembered him the way he was, the man that walked on water, the man that fed two sets of thousands of five thousands or so on two different occasions with hardly nothing uh, but two fish, five loaves of bread, and then some crumbs left over from that, he kept it. I mean, he healed blind eyes, healed the lepers, raised people up from the dead. <sighs> there is a possibility that he could take another form. You have this ability here to know that this is possible, but the hardness of your heart won't even let that truth rise up as a possibility in your reasoning and cognitive thought. Why? Because of your emotions. Y'all don't want to help me. Your emotions will cause you not to reason in the correct way. Your emotions will make sure that truth that could be possible don't even rise to the surface. And you'll be like, I don't know why I didn't think that. I just didn't think that. It was because of your emotions. They were hard-hearted, broken, in pain, life destroyed. I saw him die. I saw him tortured. And he just took it. What am I going to do with my life now? I got to go back home. People be like, I told you not to follow that Jesus. Now look at you. I'm about to be the laughing stock of everybody. And now you want to tell me he done showed up as somebody else. So what is this, another ploy to get me to keep doing the same thing I did last time? Oh, this is another church. Trying to get me to believe like I used to believe. Y'all don't want to help me. This, this is another ministry trying to get me to be sold out all over again. I did that. I've been there, done that. I didn't like how I felt. And it left me broken. Come on. 
So here go another Jesus. You know what? I'm tired of these Jesuses. Here go another pastor. You know what? I'm tired of these pastors. Oh, here. Oh, okay. Follow you. Follow you. That's reality. These apostles are no different than you and I. My hopes were built on this thing. And you, God, you did something that I cannot understand. When you could have done it different and you knew how it would affect me and you still did it like this. And now I'm sitting here shattered and you got the audacity to rebuke me. I would rebuke you if you wasn't God, but you go. You don't rebuke me. Me for unbelief. And the truth of the matter is, is you had a relationship to believe that this could have been God. And not only that, but throughout his ministry with you, he kept trying to tell you, I'm going to die, but I'm going to get up. I am the Messiah, but don't worry. And that information you also had, but in the height of your emotion and pain, you never allowed it to surface. You were too angry, too bitter. You try to say you're bitter at people. No, you're bitter with God. You're bitter with God, because be honest, them people couldn't have done it if God didn't let them do it. So your real answer, your real problem is, I really am bitter with God for even allowing this to happen in my life. Y'all don't want to help me. For not stopping me, he knew what I was going to do. Why did he stop me? Why did he stop them? This is a real issue. And because of that, now I don't, I, I, I just, I don't want to go through this again. And he says, you need to be rebuked. That's wrong. Because you and I have had enough relationship where the other truths that can make me being present and alive possible rest in you. But because you got an attitude, come on, let's just be honest. You got an attitude about how it went down because you don't like what I chose. Hello, somebody. You don't even want to recall the other things that you know are true about me. It's the reality. You so mad at me for what I did that you don't want to even think about miracles. You don't want to think about a new possibility. What I, my friend didn't live, so I ain't going to think about somebody being healed from cancer again. This situation didn't work, so I don't want to even believe that God even has a hand in that kind of stuff. He just lets us just figure it out on our own. He don't, he don't get into that because the last time I saw, he didn't even come rescue me in my situation like that. So apparently God doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore. Or maybe he never did. Maybe it was a figment out of my imagination. Whatever it is, he comes and rebukes them for it. Jesus. He says, you allowed your heart to get hardened at a time when you needed to have hope and possibility. You needed to be expecting me. You needed to have an expectation that I would do something. But because you're mad that I didn't do what you needed me to do the way you wanted me to do it last time, you don't even want to have any expectation now. Because that's really what it boils down to. It ain't the fact that you don't think he could. You know you think he could raise from the dead. He raised other people from the It ain't the fact that you don't think he's po it's possible. It's not even the fact that you don't think he wants to. Because he wanted to do things to other people that didn't even deserve half the stuff that he did. Right? So it ain't even that, it's ain't that he don't want to. The real issue is that you are just mad. You're mad. I'm just mad that you didn't. And all of this has transpired. I'm crying. I'm hurt. I got trauma. If you've seen somebody killed that you love, that is traumatic. I got all this trauma in my head, in my heart, and you could have avoided all of this, and you did not 
So I'm not going to call up any other possibilities of you doing something. Why? Because I don't want to. That's the reality. I don't want to. Why? Because if I do and you don't, then I'm going to be hurt again. Come on. Let's, let's just be real. Let's just, let's just be honest. Let's be honest. I don't want to. I don't want to call up the possibilities that you could do it. I don't want to think about how you might be able to do it. I know sister such and such is happy that you could and God can, but I don't want to believe that because when he don't, you're stuck with this mess and I'm not doing it again. Now, if you check the record, for three and a half years, Jesus was winning. For three and a half years, he did above and beyond anything his apostles or disciples could ever think that he could do. For three and a half years, they worried about nothing, had no problems. Anybody stood up against them, he took care of it. For three and a half years, nobody was persecuted, nobody was slaughtered, nobody was thrown into prison. But John the Baptist, that's a whole other story. But for three and a half years, and out of three and a half years, one issue showed up, a major one, where, and from your view, all is lost. But look at the types of things he did when he was winning. He specifically went to situations that would appear that all was lost. People blind from birth, all is lost. People with leprosy, all is lost. People dead, all is lost. No way to get to the other side of the water. All is lost. No food nearby. All is lost. Every single time he moved with those apostles or disciples, he always moved in such a way for three and a half years that when they thought all was lost, it wasn't. Now check your own story. Oh my God. Oh my. Check your own story. For so many years when you thought it was all lost, it wasn't. For so many years when you thought there was no way, he made a way. For so many years when you thought it couldn't be done, he did it. But on this one occasion, you are mad and upset that he didn't. On this one occasion, you are undone and unforgiving because he didn't. But he's shown you even when you think I can't, I still can. I gave you testimony after testimony after testimony that I can. So I rebuke you for now you're not believing. Because you're in your feelings. Now you're not believing because you're bitter and angry. Now you're not believing because you're hurt. I rebuke that. I've been showing you that I'll do it for you for your whole life. I've been proving to you that I'll take care of it your entire life. Now I move in such a way you don't like. You want to get an attitude. Not soften your heart. To think of a possibility. Jesus. Not soften your heart to expect that he's going to do something. Because every time I thought all was lost, he always did something. Every time I thought there was no way, he always did something. So even though I'm sitting here with broken pieces of my life, and I'm sitting here with broken aspects of my family, broken aspects in my body, broken aspects in my finances, broken aspects in my ministry, I can be sitting around here with nothing but brokenness. But I tell you what, I'll see all this brokenness and go, but I'm expecting God to do something amazing. I'm expecting God to do something amazing. I'm expecting a miracle. I don't know why. I don't know how, but he's never forsaken me. Never. Never forsaken me. Never. 
So Jesus says, you can't, you can't sit there with a hard heart now. You can't sit here non-believing now. My whole interaction with you has been showing you that I'm a God that does stuff like this. I, I, I don't mind waiting until there is no hope. And then all of a sudden, I do what nobody thought could be done. I don't mind it. And I thought you liked that about me. Oh, oh there's the catcher. You like that about me. You like the idea that, watch this. No, she don't even tell them. No, 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 no. They, they feel like there ain't going to be enough food. Why, 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 watch this, watch this. You and I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. He was going to do it. I knew it. That's why I love God right there, okay? That's, why, that's us, okay? That's me, okay? That's us. Sam all day. You were. You loved that about him. You did. You did. He did. Now, now flip it back on you. Now you're the blind man. Now you're the leper. Now you're the dead being. Now you're the one where it seems like all is lost yet again. And now in, a, in an even greater way, right? All is, and you're supposed to sit there and believe. Nah, 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 nah. He about to do a U.A. <laughs> I don't know how, but you about to do a U.A. And the church said U.A. Because if anybody is supposed to know that, it's supposed to be you. And I chastise and I rebuke you because we have the type of relationship that you are supposed to know. You're supposed to know. The only reason you don't act like it is because you're mad, because you're angry, because your emotions got out of whack, and you don't want to shut them up and find the real truth. Because if you had believed that it's possible, if you had expected it, when I showed up, you would have said, now that sound about right right there. You said, he got, that's the, I knew it, 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 I knew it. That ain't happened. When he showed up in another form, and he said he showed up in another form, he was he wasn't even this, he wasn't he wasn't the way he normally is, like how we see him. But I'm telling you, when he started preaching, he started saying stuff, and I knew that I knew that it was him. I knew it was him. Ah, that's not like him. That's not like him. He gonna make it the, like, the most impossible way imaginable, and he be like, "You it? That's him." I knew it. When he gonna come over here? Did he tell you when he was coming? Did he tell you when he gonna come? <laughs> I mean, that's good for your experience, now, But did he tell you <laughs> when he was gonna come see about me? <laughs> right? Then when these people showed up telling you that he rose from the dead, you would have expected it. But because you're in your feelings, you're not looking for nothing else but a one-track focus of your pain. And everything that is aligned with your pain, fears, and insecurities is all you're thinking about. And you refuse to move from that track to another track. Hello? Hello. Now, if, if I had to be honest with you, pulling back and seeing this in context, Jesus has done something when he gives the great commission. He rebukes them and then tells them, now go and make disciples. Go and preach the gospel. See, now my doubt is, even if it is you, don't you think it's mighty weird that I was so unfaithful and unbelieving and then you still want to send me? Like, I don't even, I don't even trust myself <laughs> at this point, you know. <laughs> you know, I thought you had some integrity about yourself. You're going to choose me. 
I don't think you should be choosing me. Or maybe I need to wait. Maybe I need to suffer. Maybe I need to be in more pain. Maybe I need to go through some more abuse. Maybe the whole thing needs to fall apart even more. Maybe I can't take the help. I can't take the assistance. I can't take the support. I can't take the truth because I'm not worthy. To be assisted, helped, sent, or called in that way. And even for that, you're rebuked. Even for that, you're wrong. You're just wrong. And so Jesus says, I want you to go out and continue to shed this message about who I am. I'm going to go up here to heaven with God. And, and you don't worry about that. And, but you, you, <laughs> you keep doing what we've been doing. And I'm with you. Like I've always been with you. And they say, all right, we'll do it. When you have to witness to people, all right, you have to tell them about what you believe in Christ, in Jesus and in God. They have to understand and know Jesus through your mouth. Y'all don't, you're not really trying to help me here, okay? <laughs> the apostles are given the assignment to tell people about what they know about Jesus. And the people that they tell have the responsibility of hearing this story and believing it. But before you could be used to tell people about Jesus, that they might hear it and believe it, we're going to challenge the part of you that when you heard it, you did not believe it. When I use somebody else to tell you, you did not believe it. When I use somebody else to show it to you, you could not believe it. You have to have an experience about how difficult it is to do and to believe before you can ever have the compassion to truly minister. Because a Christian trying to share the gospel without ministry is religion. Without experience, without empathy, without compassion, is religion. It ends up in debates and wars and massacres. But a Christian that knows God and knows how hard it is that you can love God and still not believe and know how hard it is that you got all kinds of situations that you cannot get through to know how that person will start telling the gospel and they'll be patient and they'll be kind and they'll be compassionate and above all, they'll be faithful and true. If that person don't receive it from you the first time, you're not offended. Been there. I understand. Why can't you see that this is Jesus? I know why you can't see. Because <laughs> it used to be me. See, now a believer that has experienced the difficulty of hearing and believing something that goes against what you physically see had to be reborn in such a way that now something of new life has happened. They related to something that they didn't even see for themselves. I did not see the resurrected Jesus. Mary Magdalene is telling me. These other two disciples is telling me. And Thomas said, I ain't going to believe until I put up my hands in the hold myself. Yeah. What? You, Thomas, I'm sending you to tell people that are not going to have that ability. Jesus. Wow. I'm sending you to people that won't have the ability to see me. I'm sending you to people that weren't raised in the church. I'm sending you to people that are not ready to hear the gospel. I'm sending you to people that don't understand religion and faith and prayer. And you've got to know how to talk to them. You still got to be willing. Well, everybody's truth is their truth. No, no, no. The truth be wrong. They be, they be wrong. They, I was wrong. And somebody had to come tell me. 
Look at the sovereignty of how Christ is moving. I'm going to give you this great commission knowing that you are responsible to preach the gospel in somebody's hearing and they believe through what you've said. But first, you need to know what it's like to believe based off of what someone said. You got to know what that's like. You got to know what it's like. So there's some apostles or disciples in this mix of the Great Commission that believed. And the scriptures told us, both in Matthew and Mark, that there are some that doubted. The doubted was still told to go. What? Yes. The, <laughs> the doubtful were still told to go. And this, this right here trumps in my mind, I will never question the intricate sovereignty of God. Because you will send somebody out that you know still got parts that they don't believe, still got parts that they're injured from, still got triggers and still got all kinds of emotional hurts and still got all kinds. And you're going to send them out knowing that they got this. What is going to happen to them? Well, let's take a look. <clears throat> Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 17 through 21. Luke 4, 17 through 21. When you're there, say amen. amen. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, this him being Christ. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Underscore the next line, and all and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All righty. Proclaiming the gospel, preaching the gospel. When you understand witnessing, witnessing is a broad term in which evangelism falls under it. Okay? This word proclaim, preach the good news, is where we get the word evangelism from. Evangelizio, what is it? Euglesizio. Mm hmm. All right. It's a Greek word in this case. And that's where we get the word evangelism to preach, to proclaim, to declare good news. All right. So evangelism falls under the big umbrella of witnessing. It's an aspect of witnessing to say it. But what we're seeing in this Luke scripture is that it's not the only part of witnessing. So when we look at Jesus, he's opening the scroll. This is the begin early part of his ministry. He's going to the synagogue. And he's now ready to tell him, I'm he. I'm the one. So he does it with scripture. He pulls up prophecies from the prophet Isaiah, where Isaiah is talking about the coming servant. And there are plenty of scriptures within Isaiah that show this coming servant, this, this, this uh, great anointed one. It's Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49, Isaiah 1 and 4, Isaiah 52, Isaiah 53, where this person, this servant, this, this, the one, the anointed one, the chosen one. is, And Isaiah is constantly referencing the coming of this individual. 
and Jesus takes the scroll and he reads one of the verses about this man coming, this great servant, this great one that is coming and what he's going to do and how he's going to give people a time of jubilee where everything they were bound up in is they're free from and everything that they, they couldn't see, they could see now. And they're going to have liberty and the captives are going to be set free and it's going to be beautiful when he shows up. And then Jesus reads it, sits down and everybody's looking at him. And while they're looking at he says, looking at him, he says, now today it has been fulfilled in your hearing. What he's trying to get them to see and telling them, which is why they got irate, is all of this day that is coming is me. This day where servants, are s- captives are set free, where the blind can see, people are healed, there's joy and liberty, all of that is being fulfilled right in front of your eyes. Because you're all looking at me, and it is I. And they're like, get out. Get out. Get out. No, it can't be you. Uh Uh-uh, I don't believe it, right? No, no, and no. There's a concept in witnessing that we have to recognize. Witness as we know it, we think of it like I saw something. And that's true, that's one form of the word witness, all right? We also know it as a legal term. I, I sa- I'll tell you what I saw mm-hmm. in order to prove something, yes. right? That's another form, all right? But to see something is only one aspect of witnessing. To bear witness, all right, is the truest form that the Bible talks about. Because biblically, let's look at that, if we can, for just a second. <coughs> Biblically, witnessing, where is it? Ha. Biblically speaking, uh, witnessing is the task that requires you bearing witness is to make visible what is otherwise invisible to us. Hello? Okay. So I could see something, right? I witnessed it. But when I try to show it to you, I have to then make visible what you did not see, which was what was invisible. Hello? Right? So when Jesus is reading Isaiah the prophet about the coming servant, and then he says, it has been fulfilled, what he's saying is, what you could not see as prophecy, I will now show you in real life. It's been fulfilled right here. I will now manifest to all my manifestors of destiny. I am now going to manifest exactly what the good servant was that you read about, that you prayed for, that you hoped was coming. All of that that you saw, all these prophecies, now I'm going to show it to you in reality. I'm going to live and breathe it. All right? So to bear witness means that you try to show and manifest in reality something that is invisible to the person you're bearing witness to. You weren't there. Let me show you. You did not know him. Let me show you. In the the case of Isaiah the prophet, you couldn't see what, what it is. Let me show you. And so Jesus says, that prophecy, is I'm it. Watch me. This is the beginning of his ministry. This ain't the end. He didn't go back to the end and go, see there, told y'all, I fulfilled all that stuff. He's telling them before he fulfills it, I want you to observe and witness that I am getting ready to manifest everything this scripture says. I'm going to do it right in front of you. True, come on. That's good. Thank you. 
It's me. Now watch me work. That's pretty much what it is. It's me. Watch me work. And he tells him to go and keep your eyes on me. Watch me. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to fulfill all of this. And he does. They couldn't even. They probably. He, he, he did heal the blind. God, thank it. Did he set the captive, the captive free, the leper free? Everybody, he, they free. Golly. Everybody's so happy. They eating. They happy. <sighs> Tax collector. My, t- the man with the debt cleared. God, ah, he is doing all the stuff. He is bearing witness to who God is, and he's bearing witness to who God said he is, right? What you could not see that you heard in prophecy, I am now living it on earth for you to see. He is bearing witness of the Father and the Father's word, right? So when we bear witness biblically, we are not supposed to just look at it. No, no, no. We're not supposed to just watch it. No, no, no. We're not even supposed to just tell it. No, no, no. We're supposed to tell it and reveal it. We got to say it and do it. Hello? 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 Now go back to the original point when Jesus was giving the Great Commission to a bunch of people and some of them doubted. And he still sent them. He did not exclude them. So you're going to tell me, even though I got some parts of this I'm not really sure about, that you still want me to go and tell everybody about you? Yes. But you know I got these questions in my head about some things that went down that I don't understand why you took the hardest way, why you let me go through that, why I had to feel that. That, that stuff is still looming in my head, okay? I have not forgotten that pain. Now you want me to tell them. I mean, yeah, I still believe you as God. I suppose, I mean, for, now that you raised from the dead, yeah, you God, but, some, but it's some other stuff. It's some other stuff, and I don't know how important that other stuff is, but it is some other stuff. But I do know you was God, and you was the Jesus that rose from the dead. You was the one that was crucified, and you, you him. I will tell people that you are him with all this other issue that I have, right? So looking at Jesus, reading the prophet Isaiah, and then saying, it's being fulfilled in your hearing. All eyes are on me. Now watch me. For three and a half years, fulfill this, right? What I'm trying to show you is when you get the Great Commission, you can go preach the good news. I'm going to tell you, it is Jesus the Christ. But since the eyes of those that you told are now going to be on you, y'all don't want to help me, because they should be on you, because your responsibility is to manifest what could not be seen by them. So I'm going to tell you Jesus is Lord. I'm going to tell you that Jesus saves. I'm going to tell you that Jesus forgives. I'm going to tell you that Jesus restores. And now I want you to watch me as I live the physical manifestation of that thing that I preached to you that I told you that he did. So if you had to fulfill the Great Commission and do it anyway, do it in your doubtfulness, do it in some issues that you have, and you know that people are watching you, and you get ready to slip up on something. Y'all don't want to help me. Now, I know Jesus forgives and Jesus loves me, but I feel like I want to slip up a little bit, but I recognize that somebody is watching me because I told them that Jesus saves, and I really can't afford to slip. So, God, you're going to have to help me. 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 You got to help me not slip because I need to manifest who you really are. That's why the Great Commission came and says, Lord, I will be with you always. The Great Commission came with, and I will help you with signs and miracles. 
because you're going to have to show what it is you're proclaiming. And that means the areas of doubt are going to be seen. And that's right when you're going to have to look for me to do the impossible. Come on. You're going to have to look for another UA. You're going to have to look for another UA. And nothing repairs a, repairs a broken relationship like trusting yet again. Did I break your heart that time? But watch this, you eh? Did I disappoint you on that point? But watch this, you eh? Did I mess you up in how you thought about me? But watch me turn it around. Watch me turn it around. Watch me turn it around. So just the act of you bearing witness is repairing the breach and the relationship you had with God. Just you even the responsibility of telling people what you do know about God. It means that when Sister, Sister Terry at your job, you know, if I had to come to church, when you and God was good, you was like, yay. Or maybe you got wasn't good, but you see she even worse off than you. You'd be like, trust in God. And now Sister Terry over here at your job is now watching you. And you know you. And you know your issues with God. And all of a sudden, it would appear as if while you just witnessed to this girl at your job yesterday, while you just told this man in your workplace on Saturday about the goodness of God and what he's capable to do, it would seem like all of a sudden temptation and problems and trials showed up on you on Thursday. I told you on Monday, and now I'm dealing with this on Thursday. I told you on Monday, now I'm tempted on Friday. I told you on Monday, now I'm broken on Saturday. What just happened? And the Lord is trying to tell you, I need to do a UA. I need to do it, you eh? And I want to use you to do it. Come on, ask me to help you. Ask me, ask in my name, and I will give it to you. Ask in my name, and I'll give it to you, baby. Ask in my name, and I'll give it to you. God, can you help me? Can you help me? I can't tell those women what you're capable of doing that I know you're capable of doing. And on Friday, I'm about to fall myself. I'm going to need you to help me. He says, when he gives the great commission, he says, and you can ask what you will in my name, and I'll do it for you. This is the biggest makeup speech ever. I know you don't understand what I did, and I know you're disappointed. But from here on out, ask me. You don't want to help me. You don't want to help me. I know you don't understand what I did. It's fine. And I know you're brokenhearted. And I know you don't like it. And I know you feel like I left you hanging. But baby, from here on out, just ask me. From here on out, just ask. Anything you ask in my name, I will give it to you. Don't you worry about it, baby. You just do what I'm asking you to do at this point. And anything you need in the process, just ask. Just ask. You feel like somebody put poison in your drink? Just ask. You feel like there are serpents trying to get you? Just ask. You feel like something is dead that needs to be alive? Just ask. At this point in our relationship, you do this for me and anything you need in the process, just ask. By the time a person that believed but had unbelief starts witnessing and have to ask God to help you do something because people are watching. Help me not fornicate. 
because people is watching. Help me not go back to them drugs because people is watching. Help me not to cuss this person out because people is watching. I have preached the gospel that I need to reveal to them who you are, right? I need to show it to them. And by the time I ask him 70 million times to keep me, 70 million times to help me, 70 million times to uphold me, if I don't see over time that me and him, we thick as thieves again. <laughs> me and him, we right as right all over again. We like this. Like there was never a breach. There's no more bitterness. It's as if I started seeing your heart on so much stuff, and I don't know what that was, but I know you're good. And then you start talking to him again and loving on him again. And you helped me up with that, and thank you for helping me with that, and thank you for keeping me. And, oh, I needed that, and you did that, because you know I want people to know how good you are. And now the distance that you had in your relationship with your own God is closed because you decided to witness, and then you decided to bear witness, to manifest it in other people's eyes. And when you made that choice, what you thought was distance between you and God is now closing. And I can assure you from one that has been there, when it finally closes, you look back and you go, that's why you did that. That's why you died on the cross. That's why you were, you were tortured. That's why you had to be raised from the dead. You look back after restoration has happened and you go, that's why you did it. That's why I had to go through that. That's why I needed to go down that way. That's why, that's why, that's why. And I'm so glad about it. And I'm so glad about it. I'm so glad about it. I'm so glad about it. Because so weeping may endure for a night, but my joy, it came in the morning. And I'm so glad about it. You never thought you'd celebrate that event in your life. You never thought you could see the good in it. But the, you bearing witness has caused you to look back and go, ooh, won't he do it? Won't he will? Ooh. It's bearing witness. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Standing all over the house. 